0: Hello and welcome to Awaken, Heal and Transform. I am your host, Francesca Raffa, and I am so pleased that you are here. Take this as your sign from the universe that you are on your journey to awakening, healing and transforming, to live a soul-led life of purpose, passion and alignment, reconnecting you with your innate power within. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Awaken, Heal and Transform with your host me, Francesca Raffa. Today I am welcoming a very special guest. Her name is Vanya and she is a feminist therapist. So she predominantly works with women and new parents in assisting them on their journey into parenthood whilst having a major focus around trauma and how trauma can have a huge impact on parenthood. So I connected with Vanya via Instagram and what particularly interested me about her was this feminist therapist title. So I just had to find out more about what she does in helping these women. um, Also, help fight against gender-based violence as well which is something we touched on in our chat prior to the film uh, prior to this episode so i really am interested to find out more about being a feminist therapist what that consists of and how she helps her clients to transform this trauma transmute almost to help better their lives but also break the patterns for the future generations which is why she also works with new parents um so i am very intrigued and can't wait to get into this conversation to find out what led vanya what is vanya's journey Up until this point that has led her to become a feminist therapist, what has she seen and experienced to give her this passion in um, wanting to help women and all people, all genders that associate as being a woman. So let's welcome Vanya. Hi, Vanya. Thank you so much for joining the Awaken, Heal and Transform podcast today. Uh, Absolute pleasure to have you on. And I am so like, I'm buzzing almost for this conversation. Ever since we first had our initial chat, your energy is so contagious. And I'm just so intrigued to find out more about... A feminist therapist and your journey into what led you into becoming a feminist therapist and focusing around um, on treating and um, dealing with women predominantly and helping them through their trauma. So I'm going to open this up to you, Vanya, just for you to share with us your journey and what has led you to become a feminist therapist (laughs) awesome awesome. I'm so excited thank you for having me oh and I have to admit
1: I this is it's not that I love to talk about me but I love to talk about this work so like this is a favorite talk topic of mine so I'm so excited to talk to you and anyone else who might be interested in hearing so I know I feel like as as a therapist it it always comes back to our childhoods it always comes back to like our journeys from when we were kids and to be honest I think a lot of it for me was how I was treated by boyfriends and just boys in general, but also how my friends were treated. I have very key memories of high school and how we were treated um, and you know how we were sexualized um, as young girls um, even earlier than high school. And I always just had this felt sense of knowing that this wasn't right. This isn't how my initiation into um, being sexual or in relationship or to be loved, it didn't feel right um, the way that um, it all started. And then, you know, for me necessarily wasn't so much more um, direct physical violence or abuse, but it was definitely emotional. There was definitely manipulation by by boys to get what they wanted from us, but they never treated us with dignity and respect.
0: Yes. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Resonating. Yeah. 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 And, and to be honest, as much as I'm smiling into it, like here I am now in this other part of that journey and, and it's so pervasive. And to be honest, it's also where patriarchy and sexism and like white male privilege for the most part also doesn't do a service for men in any person mm-hmm. in our genders because we aren't taught how to treat each other with respect we aren't taught how to treat ourselves with dignity um and how to access pleasure and respect and joy um you know our our our, our friends weren't maybe Um, witnessing the best models of relationships from our own parents. I know my own parents had their struggles, right? So my only models of relationships were my parents and most of us. Um, And so I also struggled with that. And so I knew I was a feminist in high school. And it was a testy word, right? It was one of those F words that were (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um but I didn't know I wanted to be a therapist until I started um, university um I took a special degree in family and social relations and women's studies and then that's when those two parts just started to combine mm-hmm. so my journey very you know very quickly was that journey of like who am I as a human who am I as a woman when I was a teenager and knowing exactly. it didn't wasn't right the way that
0: we were taught mm-hmm. so that's kind of where it all began yeah. I love that. I love how things just flow naturally from sort of your interest to then moving yeah. into becoming this therapist. And you're like, oh, yeah, that's my passion, mixing it with my work. And here we are. Yeah. But yeah. what I really loved about that story is your sense of awareness as a teenager to know that those things weren't right, because yeah. How many of us, you know, hands up here, just thought that's the way it was, that's what I was here for. And, you know, recently I've also been going through quite a lot of issues that I have with men and didn't realize that I have almost so subconsciously put them on a pedestal. Mm. Um, do you know what I mean? And, and I actually just was reflecting this on the other day and I was like, okay, why do I do this? Ah, you know, because mainly all the authority figures were men and this, that, and the other. And I think that's where as women, we have this such subconscious conditioning to yeah. be suppressed and be, um, small in so many ways. Oh. So I love that you had this awareness at such a young age. Yeah. And what did you... What did you do with it at that age? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's interesting because, you know, again, I don't know if it
1: was conscious at that age, but Mm -hmm. I definitely, um, I was in these like little clubs that were unofficial and we talked to girlfriends. Like I always love that idea of really talking about real things with my girlfriends and being really close with them. But I also... Was had close friendships with boys, um, you know, with teenage boys who were very male centered and very masculine in their identities. But I had a very platonic friendship with them. But I was also where I got to give them that female perspective and also remind them to treat us with dignity and respect. Mm-hmm. And so it was also a nice way of just like balancing that bridge, you know, that I, I had, you know, boyfriends for sure, but I had male friends who benefited from the fact that we could talk about these things so I could give them advice to be a better boyfriend. Um, so that's one thing I did for yeah. sure. Yeah. yeah. yeah, And so that just feels really present right now because I think I'm thinking about some of them, right? But I, I also, I know, you know, we may not meet in person and I'm 5'1". Like you said, I have lots of energy. So I've always been Attuned to having a voice because I had to be like, Excuse me, excuse me, I can't see. And so I just got used to using my cuteness or my voice in a way that just helps people want to listen to me. And then I'd say, Hey, like what you just said wasn't really cool with me. So yeah. I just made it easier to hear. Um, but it was also, like you said, a little bit of placating, a little bit of people pleasing mm-hmm. or fawning. And right when I started to notice I didn't have to do that, it was a nice way of getting out of that. Um, that lens, right? Or that place of stuckness. Mm.
0: Yeah. <laughs> just something that came up while you were talking about your size. Yeah. <laughs> That's something I read the other day, you know, the all is in the small. <laughs> um, and you know, it, it's rightly so, you know, but I love how, yeah, I just love how you are aware you were at that age. And you know, at that point in time, you wanted to make a difference, which has obviously mm. led you to where you are to, today. So can you tell us, more about what it is to be a feminist therapist, what that consists of and how you um, sort of help your clients? What do you focus on? Yeah, that's a great question. So yeah, absolutely. I think some people feel
1: um, being a feminist therapist means I'm educating people or converting them into feminism, right? Or like it's more school than it is therapy. And so that's always a place that I like to start. Like I identify as an intersectional feminist. I also know as a white woman born in Canada where I live, I have all sorts of privilege. So I work from that intersectional place um, to unpack um, various privileges and oppressions. And that shows up in the therapy too, because we're not just individuals living in bubbles. We're social creatures living in a collective. um, And we're still living under the lens of white male patriarchy. And so whatever we do is still in connection, whether it's subtle or um, subversive or just not as obvious that it's in response to this lens and this framework. So feminist therapy is a way of also just reminding us like what happens to me is my unique story. And it's still in the context of patriarchy and capitalism and white privilege in general. And so You know in transitions into parenthood right coming back to those models of parents it's also looking at who do I want to be as a parent when I also only had this small group of people who were my models when I was a child and so really being able to unlearn and unpack and step in with intention the kind of parent I want to be and so using feminism to remind us that it is my body it's my choice my choices are my own and really also noticing that we're global citizens. So feminist therapy intentionally looks at my own unique situation in the context of a global one in the, in the collective, Mm -hmm. but it also honors my story as my own. It honors my own expertise as my own, like I am my own expert. Right. And so really looking at those links. Um, Yeah. And so looking at that bigger context and not just my own story, that makes me feel like I'm isolated or different or treated worse because of who I am. That's not necessarily true.
0: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in so many ways, the education is required to understand that what your thoughts are actually conditioning and aren't who you are. Yeah. So, and the awareness needs to be there because uh, as you rightly said, it is not there enough because we are still in this patriarchy and it's not going to be shouting from the rooftops anymore time soon you know unless that falls but yeah so yeah that's such a great explanation of a feminist therapist and and honestly before I connected with you I had never heard of this term and um and I do feel like you know you mentioned in our chat prior that you predominantly you like to work with um women around gender-based violence as well um do you want to just talk a little bit about that because I feel like that is also something that doesn't get talked about enough I agree so yeah
1: yeah and and I think just even thinking about in this context of this pandemic you know I know we're in different places in the world but all of us have experienced um you know COVID-19 to some degree and Gender-based violence has been happening like in, that, in the shadow of it. It's still happening in, in some places, in some families, it's been intensified or started. So just thinking about um, gender-based violence is typically one person's need for power and control over another's typically predominantly way more numbers show that it's the male partners need for power and control because of their own insecurities and they take it out on their female partner but it happens in all relationships it can happen in any gendered relationship and any class system but different communities definitely experience the type of violence differently or more uniquely and so a gender-based violence Counselor like me, um, I've been in that field for about 22 years. We work in a few different ways in supporting people who've experienced it. Um, One is through intimate partner violence, another is through sexual violence or um, a rape or historic trauma. Maybe we witnessed um, one parent being abused by another, or there's intergenerational trauma that just continued on, maybe not physically, but emotionally, or verbally, or financially. And so This type of counseling supports people in the crisis of the abuse or violence, as well as healing from it. And so we look at trauma therapy like this in stages. So the first one is really helping support someone in the moment of a crisis, or looking at what their um, options are to stay in the relationship or leave, and like the pros and cons of all of that. And then it looks at stabilizing them um, and giving them more resources to build their capacity, to build their um, window of tolerance or window of capacity to help them feel safe. And then the last stage is looking at um, helping them maybe move on with their life, whether they're in the relationship or most leave in some way and ways to heal that. And so feminist therapy also very intentionally makes links to that healing journey, again, um, what we call post-traumatic growth. So looking at a lot of us that work in the field have experienced trauma ourselves and gender-based trauma specifically. So we're in our own healing journey, but we're much more, I don't wanna say more healed, but we're much more further along in our healing path And so it's also ways to let people who are now just in the throes of violence to know that it's possible to heal and it's possible to get out of it. So feminist therapy doesn't shy away from self-disclosure. It also is very active in the community in marches and protests and activism. And so it's also really making that intention that the personal is political. Mm. We don't separate those two. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, no, that was a long answer. So No, that
0: was, that was perfect and really well, well explained and thorough. Um, and, I, and obviously, I love what you said about, your, you, you know, as a therapist yourself, maybe experiencing the trauma yourself and you're further along in your healing journey. And, and it is about that, isn't it? We're, we're always healing and it's, it's, it doesn't ever stop. Um, but you know, there's always the layers, there's always the unraveling. Um, would you care to share your own trauma story and your experience and how it's kind of catalytically led to your passion to be able yeah. to woman?
1: Yeah. Um and again, I think this is part of it too. Like I think my story's my own, so I you know, I can share there's definitely been some abusive boyfriends early on in my teen years who manipulated the story to serve their purpose you know who would want me to keep our relationship a secret so there's one in particular one of my first boyfriends who just wanted our relationship to be kept a secret from anyone else Mm -hmm. and me being so you know in love i thought or so enamored with him or so wanting this relationship would just say yes to appease him because i wanted this from him i wanted something from him i loved our time together not realizing um, that he kept our relationship secret or private for a reason. And that was maybe, you know, well, in the end I knew to date other people and he was very sexually manipulative. Um, And so one thing I started to notice was, you know, the, the slut shaming or the minimizing and the sneaky behavior and so, abuse isn't just the physical stuff the obvious stuff it's also not just the emotional words that other people see right it's the manipulation and the gaslighting um it's the threats it's the threats to kind of out our relationship when it served him it was the threat to break up when no one knew we were even dating so all of these layers um yeah were so confusing when it was probably one of my very first relationships um but it was also adjacent to other friends that were dating more obviously hurtful boyfriends or people right i saw the abuse you know i heard it um and so just noticing that um yeah so that's a bigger part of the story too it was also like not my own it was also in the story of none of us really having very healthy relationships in our teenage years in my yeah in my experience yeah
0: thank you so much for sharing that i think what resonated with me or what came up for me while you're sharing that story is a lot of people including myself and as i'm talking from my for myself here is that actually maybe a lot of the things i've been through i might have not even recognized it as abuse yeah Because I just thought, oh, well, this is how it is because I didn't have any comparison. I didn't know any different. Um, Like you said, you get that role from your parents and I and, you know, there was a lot of emotional abuse going on in my household um, as a child. So when I was getting that towards me, that was just so normal. Yeah. I was like, well, and you know, and I've only really started looking at it in the last couple of years that, you know, when I've had more relationships and I've been able to compare and I've been working mm-hmm. with myself. And I think, you know, when you do do the work, you start to then not attract the same story in again you know because we do go through these stories to be able to heal from them and it's why it's so important that we are aware of what these stories even are like when you're talking about the collective on the outside those are the stories aren't they really that's right Um, to be able to change that we can only do that ourselves Mm -hmm. it can't be something from outside of us uh you know we need to attract that right energy in by healing it ourselves And I think as you were talking about that, too, like that um,
1: my word for abuse or trauma is my own because it's how it impacted me and how it made me feel. Right. And so any form of this, um, any other relationship may not have seen it as that because maybe it didn't impact them in the same way. Right. Similar to, again, using this global pandemic as an example, like my experience of it is unique so i'm in my own boat experiencing it but i have you know friends and colleagues that are struggling more or struggling less Mm -hmm. but we're all experiencing this together one thing i think is important to notice is my version of trauma and the impact on me is my own so other people can't question if it's trauma If it wasn't for them so we get stuck in the comparative suffering right where my experience of being emotionally manipulated or sexually abused in this way too with this relationship that other people may have experienced worse trauma because it was more physical or violent and i think that's also what keeps us silent it keeps us ashamed it impacts our self-esteem and our self-worth because we start to think well it wasn't that bad maybe i deserved it or maybe it wasn't abusive Right. So that's also why it's so important to talk about it and to ask even our girlfriends, like, how is your relationship? And so one thing I've noticed in my journey as a therapist is looking at green lights and green signs of healthy relationships, not just red ones, not just ones that are caution signs. Mm. Right. Because then I start to really discern what I like and what I want in a relationship versus what I know to be that red flag to say stop. Right, and one part of feminist therapy I think that's important to note is it's really tied into narrative therapy. So it's a form of what they call like um, uh, postmodern type of therapy because it really intentionally ties in your dreams and your goals and your values and your strengths in the conversation, not just your faults and struggles and challenges. So I really love that tie in with feminist therapy that's also narrative-based.
0: That's so important because sometimes we can just get all of this dumped and and brought up and then we're like, okay, but where do we go from here? What do I do? How do I move past it? What are the action steps? And I always talk about this, but it is actually the action steps because if we just continue to be be sitting in the awareness, although it's important for us to feel probably the stuff that we've suppressed, Absolutely. But for a period of time, because otherwise we can get caught in that feeling mm. for so long that we actually get even more stuck on being able to push forward. So um, that is really great about feminist therapist, uh, yeah. being a better a feminist therapist that you've got that side to it as well. Um, yeah. But I, I just have to go back to some of the right. things that you're saying in terms yeah. of the red flags and the green yeah. flags mm. and you know, from a personal perspective, I don't think I really started talking openly about my relationships until I was, you know, maybe 21 Mm -hmm. or 20. Right. I I had relationships, but I wouldn't really, I guess the the shame kind of thing came in because I wasn't, you know, you're at you're at a certain age as well, I think during your teens when you probably are experiencing all the yeah. trauma without realizing it. That's it. Um yeah. you know, you you don't know any different. And so you're so like you said, you kept you keep yourself silent because you're like, well, I don't know, it could be right, it could not be right. Well, I'm just gonna keep going and then maybe I'll figure it out. And um, without realizing that all of that stuff is actually. Traumatizing that will affect you in the future that you're gonna to have to go back on anyway. I mean, uh, when I look at all of this stuff, I always think like, is any of it avoidable? <laughs> you know, <laughs> is it right? right. Oh gosh, and, and I and I love that question, right?
1: And then it, you know, my body also feels that reaction, right? Like just noticing too that that pressure and it can be avoidable because I think what else we're learning is I now know as a parent who had been a therapist first, I know more about human development and child development specifically than my parents did. And not because my parents were bad parents per se, but because we didn't have bookcases and experts and people both in the parenting world as well as in the trauma world you know, until recently. And so one thing we now know about child development is this whole concept of attachment and attachment theory and how children take time to attach and how there's a right or not a right. There's, there's a potential to repair if there's been a rupture. Right? So we can have right relationships with our parents and our elders, but it comes from them also already having a better felt sense of their own internal security and, and right to a healthy relationship. So this is that beautiful work of intergenerational trauma and healing where our children of like this generation coming potentially have an opportunity to stop that concept of intergenerational trauma because it's carried on in in our eggs, it's carried on through our DNA, right? It's carried on through these legacies. And, you know, obviously it puts some pressure on them because now they're also experiencing their own lives and challenges. And yet, for me, another version of my feminist therapy and practice is teaching both my kids. I have a boy and I have a girl. And I'm teaching them both about feminism and sexism and healthy relationships and body autonomy. I'm teaching them also about pleasure and consent, obviously. So I do think there's a potential
0: moving forward. Yeah, good, and I yeah. actually like what you said there—that we are lucky in so many ways with the technological advancements yeah. that we do have access to so much more information now than we than we used to. Like, I know a lot of us slate social media, <laughs> but equally, you know, kids on there they might see someone that is inspiring them to look at things a little bit deeper than probably you know we would have done as you know I did when I was younger and didn't have that access didn't know any difference so in some ways I'm actually showing some appreciation to social media now for that yeah. respect that there is access to positivity out yeah. there as well so yeah we yeah. have to give a big shout out for that in so many ways <laughs> yeah yeah. And with that critical lens, right?
1: Just noticing that too, not um, with full access or easy access, but also have conversations, right? So even just to notice that we we have an agreement in my family too, that when my kids are on their devices and social media, we check in, we talk about it. They come to me with questions, right? And I think that's the other thing too, is um, I want them to know that they can come to me with anything, the hard and the easy conversations. Yeah. yeah. I think that's also part of it where our parents for a lot of us were struggling with their own traumas and demons and struggles and they could parent us actively but there are things that were kind of off the table right and
0: (laughs) And as a sensitive you know it was very difficult for me growing up in that environment because i just constantly felt like a burden because i could Mm -hmm. see they were going through their own stuff that i didn't want to dare put any of my stuff on them you know and i and i think this can be quite you know a lot of people might be able to relate to that because we we did feel very alone in in yeah. so many ways so yeah yeah nowadays we do have this ability to connect with people all over the world and and find yeah. our tribe and find our family so we're yeah. we so blessed talking about yeah. tribe and family yeah yeah how <laughs> people connect with you, yeah. you?
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah well i mean as you and i connected i, mean, yeah. I have to admit it's like one of those gifts of social media like you said so uh i had had my Instagram page private for my friends and family for years. I loved posting pictures. They were always just mindful pictures, things that I noticed in the day. And then I don't know when, halfway through last year, I was like, I'm going to make it public. And it's been such a gift because I've met you and other people around the world that do similar work. And it's built definitely my village. I love that. I feel more connected and less alone. And we're social creatures, right? Our, our nervous systems need to be connected. So this is where social media works. So Instagram, I'm at Vanya underscore um, I also have a, 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 a website with a monthly article I write about things that are important to me every month. So it's vanyasokola.ca. Those are the two most active places. I do have a Facebook page where I wrote, I post articles and stuff on there. And I think it's therapy with Vanya.
0: So those are the ways to meet me and reach me. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. And do you have anything yeah. uh, coming up at the moment? that Yeah. yeah? yeah.
1: Um, I have something percolating in the works where it's that beautiful intersection of, again, those passions of mine where um, it's not ready yet. But if anyone's interested, they can... Um, Actually, I forgot, I just started a newsletter this past year too, where I share some of these tips and put it all together. Um, But uh, with my background in gender-based violence and intimate partner violence, and now working predominantly with parents, I'm working on a, a workshop, a webinar, an online group with those intersections. So anyone who's had a history of trauma due to relational or developmental abuse, and now are parents themselves, and looking for resources to maybe tend to their nervous system and emotion regulation tools for themselves in order to parent intentionally.
0: So that's sounds in the work. That sounds incredible. Yeah, I'm excited. I love the work that you do working with parents mm-hmm. because, you know, it's the future generation. These are the future generations mm-hmm. and we do not want to repeat the same patterns. We cannot keep doing these same cycles. So the work mm-hmm. that you do is so, mm-hmm. so important. So thank, thank you. you so thank much. You. Is there anything you would love to leave the listeners on with a final note, piece of advice, words of wisdom? Yeah. yeah.
1: As you asked that, I love that question. I didn't think of it until now, but um, you know, maybe t- because tomorrow in our hemisphere or this weekend is the summer solstice or that switch into the season. So I always love to honor them, both because I think it's a beautiful way to set intentions for the coming season, to look at you know, how was this past season for me? What can I do intentionally in the next one? So it's a nice way of just pausing in, in our cycles, but I'm also really, really interested in pleasure right now as a way to tend to myself um, in this life that we're living. Um, And I don't even mean just sexual pleasure, but daily doses of a pleasure practice. Like what can I eat that gives me pleasure? What can I listen to that embodies pleasure for me? And so because it was raining here today, I literally went outside for 20 minutes and I watched snails cross a path and climb a rose bush. And honestly, I was so... Enamored with their process, I was focused <laughs> and I watched them, and it was beautiful. Mm-hmm. So, literally, that gave me a moment of pleasure. So, I'm gonna give that suggestion.
0: I yeah. absolutely <laughs> love that. <laughs> Let me find these snails. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: they'll be there for you too. <laughs> no, but yeah, find a moment of daily pleasure. I'm actually yeah. gonna do that tonight. I'm going I mean, Please. oh, love it. And, what can, what, and how it can differ each day as well, like what that moment of pleasure is on, on, yes. on the, how you're feeling each day. Oh, yeah. incredible. Uh, it's
1: such a beautiful reclamation. And you know, for all of us, we're human. So all of us have experienced trauma and it's our birthright to have pleasure.
0: So mm-hmm. yeah, daily acts of that. That is perfect words of wisdom. Great. Thank you so thank much, Vanya, mm-hmm. for coming on My today. It's been a pleasure. It's been a pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> there thank it is. You, thank you, thank you. Thank you for having me. I really enjoyed recording this episode with Vanya and it really got me thinking about situations in my past which I never really saw as traumatizing as I mentioned in the episode because I didn't know any different and I really wonder you know how how much that does happen to all of us when we don't know any different at a certain age and when we start reflecting back, and we can look at things from a new eyes, our new perspective and starting to realize that actually, maybe the way that we were treated in so many ways was uh, incorrect and was abuse and we let it slide because we didn't know any better. So I absolutely loved this conversation. And, and like I said, it's really got me thinking and reflecting so I hope the it did the same for you so I will be back next week with another enlightening topic that in one way or another will awaken heal or transform you goodbye for now beautiful souls